You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Well, you could argue that it's getting seemingly harder and harder to call yourself a Christian in today's day and age. If you look around, Christianity is no longer widely acceptable amongst our culture as it was 50 or even 70 years ago. Now, see, I wasn't around back then, uh, but I do know that culturally, it was widely a lot more acceptable to call yourself a Christian 50 to 70 years ago. You see, even these last few years, the adversity, the challenges that we have faced within the church, within our country, the polarizing opinions and perspectives, the mix-up of COVID, I believe it's getting harder and harder, and the challenges that we face, um, it's getting harder for Christians to swim upstream in the face of adversity against pop culture. It's causing somewhat of a shakeup, I believe, in the American church. You see, Ed Stetzler has done research on the American church, and I like what he says on this. He says, the cultural cost of calling yourself a Christian is starting to outweigh the cultural benefit. So those who do not identify as Christian according to their convictions are starting to identify as none because it's more culturally savvy. Christianity is losing and will continue to lose its home field advantage that it has enjoyed for over 300 years. No one can or should deny this. The worldview and the moral convictions of mainstream American culture are increasingly at odds with the worldview and the moral convictions taught in the Bible. You see, you don't have to hear me say that too much, but you agree. You should probably agree with that. We probably all agree with that statement. Uh, what the world is going after is different than what the Bible has laid out for us. He goes on to say, as the religious landscape in the states uh, here in the United States is continuing to change at a rapid clip, The stats about Christians in America are simply starting to show a clearer picture of what American Christianity is becoming. It's becoming less nominal and more defined, more outside mainstream American culture. However, the numerical decline of self-identified American culture is more of a purifying bloodletting than an arrow to the heart of the church. See, these are pretty strong words here from Ed Stetzer about the American church, The church in America for so many years has become comfortable and complacent about the cost of truly following Jesus. Sometimes when we consider the cost of following Jesus as a church, it just seems so overwhelming. You see, I believe that we're starting to see a separation of those who are casual from those who are committed to following Jesus. Church, let me encourage you this morning, because I believe you being here today is a testament to your desire to to grow in your walk with the Lord, to not be a part of of the mainstream nominal Christianity that could be doing so many other things today, and not that church attendance is the main thing, but you're here today, and I believe that's a testament to your faithfulness. You see, in this country, we still have the freedoms to worship. We still have the freedoms to gather and to express our belief in God, and sing songs of praise to God. We can share openly 
with, with friends, neighbors, coworkers about our faith in Jesus and proclaim this truth. But I think oftentimes we run into uh, some hurdles along the way. Um, but when we think of how challenging it is here in this country to, to, to call yourself a Christian, I think sometimes our perspective is short-sighted. You see, we enjoy this comfortable Christianity insulated from real persecution or real suffering. You see, the persecution and suffering that we face here in our country and even in our communities is really just the difference of opinions, the fear of rejection, people slinging insults our way, or or just looking at us strange or weird. But church, let me remind you, Jesus said in Luke 9.23 that anyone who would come after me must deny himself must deny herself and pick up their cross and follow me. You see, it shouldn't surprise us that if we want to follow Jesus, there may actually be a cost to following Jesus. Whether you've experienced pain or suffering yet in your your Christian walk, get ready because it's possible that it'll come. You see, as Christianity becomes more refined here in the American church, I can't help but think of the cost of of what others experience, brothers and sisters in other nations, what they experience for their faith. See, my mind goes to a friend that I have in Haiti. His name is Pastor Paul. Um, His whole life and ministry, he's been been living in in this violent, uh, poverty-stricken area in Um, Port-au-Prince. It's not the norm for for Christians to stand up for their faith, but he's, he's been... Uh, working hard, encouraging pastors, planting churches, trying to protect his family and running from his life. I think of a friend that I have named Sam, who is a pastor in Nepal. He's been a a believer for 17 years. And as soon as he professed faith in Jesus, he was shunned from his family. You see, Sam and I stay in touch on Facebook a a little bit. And um, even this week, he, he wrote me and I asked him about some of the pain and the suffering and the persecution that they've gone through in the church in Nepal. And he said he's got friends that have been arrested, um, like he, trying to hide in these remote villages and, and, and express the freedoms of worship. It, it, that, it's a foreign concept to us here. So I think of Sam, and I think of the pain and the suffering that he goes through, um, you know, just for, for identifying as a follower of Jesus. You go out here and look at our missions wall. Uh, we have many of our ministry partners here that says closed or sensitive countries, and, uh, and I know many of them that are in these, these Muslim or, or Arab or, or Asian countries right now that are living under fake aliases so that they can be free to, to teach and preach and, and kind of underground grassroots spread the name of Jesus without fear of being arrested or thrown in prison or even their life. You see, honestly, that type of suffering or persecution for being a Christian, none of us probably in this room have experienced anything like that, if we're being honest. But it is a real reality outside the walls of this place and in other parts of the world. You see, this morning, I believe we need to remind ourselves to pray. Pray for these brothers and sisters who are in other countries. Uh, just to remember the, the, just the, the boldness that they have to, to proclaim and demonstrate this good news of Jesus in the face of diversity. But then I, I think we also need to ask God to reframe our perspective. Reframe our perspective so that we can start to understand what it looks like to live and make much of Jesus every day to everyone. 
So we've been in this book of 1 Peter all the way throughout the summer, and we're nearing the home stretch. We've got two more weeks, and uh, you've seen this theme of pain and suffering throughout the the, the letter of 1 Peter from Peter to these churches. And um, even Peter's journey along the way, um, he, he didn't fully understand or grasp the reality of pain and suffering. I remember in, in Mark chapter 8 when Jesus says, you know, hey, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die and suffer for you. Uh, Peter even kind of rebukes Jesus and says, no, like that can't happen. Like you're not going to do that. I think of even later on in, in after Peter denies Jesus three times, Jesus confronts Peter before he goes uh, to the cross and says, Peter, you know what? I, you, you're going to die for me one day. You're going to follow after my footsteps. And, and um, even in those moments, you know, when Jesus says, Peter, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. Um, Peter looking around saying, well, but what about John? Like, what's going to happen with John? Kind of making excuses for his own reality of pain and suffering. But see, in this letter to 1 Peter, I believe that Peter got to a point where he understood that he was able to encourage and challenge these believers. You see, in this letter, um, Peter is writing to five different churches, roughly 10, uh, no, 10 different churches in five different regions. And this was about 30 years after Jesus had, uh, had rose again. Peter referred to he, these believers as exiles, as sojourners, and as refugees. But he also reminded them that this, this world is not their home. He wanted to remind them of who they were to help shape their maturity and to challenge their commitment to keep enduring. Church, that is a good word for us this morning. We need to remember who we are so that we can shape our maturity and challenge our commitment to keep enduring through whatever God has for you in the days ahead. You see, Peter writes to encourage these Christians who are being persecuted under Nero's leadership. And uh, if you go back and listen to the last couple weeks of messages with Brandon and even Pastor Mike on the 17th, we see that this theme of pain and suffering um, and persecution was, was rampant. And that's why Peter is writing um, to encourage them in the midst of all their suffering and persecution. Four times now, Peter, in his letter, has addressed this topic And uh, we're going to get that one more time in chapter 5 here in the next couple weeks. So if you're tired of persecution and suffering or the talk around persecution and suffering, uh, just get your seatbelt on because that's where we're going this morning in our text. This morning we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. And this morning I I want us to see seven themes that we can hold on to regarding suffering and persecution. Themes that we can either be encouraged by or that we can continue to prepare ourselves for when persecution arises in our own lives. So if you have your Bibles, um, there, there should be one in the seat back ahead of you as well, or flip through it on your phone, or it's going to be up here on the screens as well. Follow along, and we're going to be reading in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. It says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler, 
Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for the judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. You see, I believe this text is pretty straightforward. And uh, again, the Apostle Peter is, is hitting the gas pedal one more time in regards to, to pain and suffering and persecution. So the first theme I want us to see in this text uh, is the word expectation. The idea of persecution and suffering is something that we can expect. And he starts in verse 12 by saying, Beloved, don't be surprised when the fiery trial among you is if something strange were happening to you. Another translation says, think it not strange. I love what John Piper says. He says, we lose our equilibrium in life when we're constantly surprised by painful things that come at us. I think that's a truth that we all need to remind ourselves. Like we, We're not guaranteed a better life. We're not guaranteed a, a path of least resistance. The marks of following after Jesus are going to look hard. There are going to be bumps along the way. Peter says, don't let this catch you off guard or make you off balance because Jesus already told us this. In John chapter 15, verse 18, he says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me first before it has hated you. If they persecuted you, they will also, uh, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You see, it's like this. We live in Northeast Ohio and, um, you know, in the winter season, when it's snowing and icing out, we can anticipate that the roads are going to be icy. We just know. And always that first snow, people forget how to drive. So we can expect that the roads are going to be slippery, right? Don't be surprised if, if it's snowing outside here in Northeast Ohio that you're going to anticipate having to slow down and, and expect to have a little bit more time for your travel. I think of this past Sunday night when the... the the tornado siren went off, and my phone's dinging in my, uh, in my bedroom, you know, and we wake up to this alert. Uh, there's a tornado warning. Many of you guys probably got that same tornado warning. And uh, so even in the midst of that, I'm counting the cost of like, okay, do I wake up my kids? Is it really that close? Uh, okay, what, what, what's, the, what's the fallout that if I wake up my kids, how long is it going to take us all to get back to bed? But that's the thing, when, there, when there's a tornado siren or a warning that goes off, we can't anticipate, we can expect that there's going to be a possibility of a tornado. But what is this fiery trial that Peter is talking about here in this text? I want you to remember that Peter is writing from the perspective uh, that, that they're being persecuted. And under Nero's leadership, uh, many Christians are being burned at the stake. So it's possible that he sees the, the smoke and the flames of others that are being persecuted. It might be a fiery trial like that. But he could also be pointing back to 1 Peter verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, where Peter says this, that you've been grieved by various trials that have tested the genuineness of your faith. The more precious than gold, as it perishes, though, is it, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. That phrase, tested by fire. You see, fire is a way of being able to purify and refine things. Tested by fire. 
See, these fiery trials are, are really a testing of your faith. Peter alludes to this. James, in James chapter 1, talks about the, these testing of your faith. It produces steadfastness or perseverance. But it ultimately proves that you are a follower of Jesus when you go through these things. You see, Peter is using this imagery here of fiery trials to help us understand that God is using pain and suffering and persecution to help purify and to sanctify his church. If you go back down to verse 17, it says, Judgment begins at the household of God. And if, if judgment begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who obey the God, don't obey the gospel of God? You see, these fiery trials, they are, are really weeding out the impurities of sin in our life that distract us from God's mission. It's a process, like I said, that, that sanctifies us and purifies us as his people because he's called us to holiness. I don't know about you, but when life is going well, uh, we tend to, to, to stiff-arm God and, and, and live distant from God and say, you know what, I've got this. You know, even in Genesis 3, we say, you know, God, thanks for making me. No thanks for, for telling me how to live. When, uh, when life's going great, we, we tend to slide God to the periphery of our lives. But I don't know about you, but when you've gone through hard times, there is a real need to, to be around the people of God, to help comfort you and walk through those things with you. And there's a desire to, to reach out and respond to what God is, is trying to teach you in the midst of that pain and suffering. Think about the, the, the times of, of brokenness or pain and suffering in your own life. Hopefully those are times where you've been more in tune with the things of God to press into him. You see, these fiery trials uh, are very similar to storms in our life, and I believe they, they reveal the object and the substance of our faith. Throughout history, persecution and, and trials for the, American, um, for the church uh, has really been the best thing to advance the gospel. Uh, we've talked about it for the last few weeks. You, you want to see the church flourish. Um, it, it's always flourished in times of persecution and in trial. So there's an expectation. Don't think it's strange. Don't be surprised when these things come our way. The second theme I want us to see this morning is the word joy. That there is joy in the midst of suffering. Verse 13 says, Rejoice insofar that you share in Christ's sufferings. So we learned last week, and Pastor Brandon went there, since Jesus suffered in the flesh, that we are to arm ourselves with the same way of thinking. And here's what he said, to the degree that you share in the sufferings with Christ, you can keep on rejoicing, right? You don't rejoice because uh, the, the pain and suffering is enjoyable, but you, you rejoice because your suffering identifies with Jesus. And that's beautiful because joy comes from knowing why you're suffering. When you identify with Christ, that's the heartbeat of the gospel, the beauty of the gospel, that we get to share in the same sufferings that Jesus shared. That Jesus was mocked for what he believed in. He was spit on. He was rebuked. He was, he was beaten and rejected and stripped and falsely accused and ultimately hung on a cross and died for you and me. So every time we face some level of, of pain or persecution, especially for our faith, we can know that we can have joy in the midst of that because Jesus did. So whether our sufferings are relational or, or physical in nature, Peter tells us that we're sharing in the sufferings of Christ. See, Jesus goes on and says in Matthew chapter 5, 
uh, verses 10, 11, and 12. It says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven, and it is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, Jesus' encouragement to his followers here is to rejoice in the midst of that. I talked about James chapter 1. He says, count it all joy when you face various trials. But if you're like me, it's hard to be joyful in the midst of the trial, right? It's hard to take our eyes off of what we're going through and actually see what God is doing in the midst of that. God's word says that in everything we are to give thanks. It's, it's not easy to give thanks in everything. It's not, every, it's, it's not easy to give thanks for everything. But God's word says in everything give thanks. And to count it all, all joy when you experience these trials. It's an upside down way of thinking. This morning we can recognize that when we go through these things, we're worthy to share in the sufferings that Jesus shared And the joy doesn't come from the pain of the circumstance, but our joy comes from Jesus, who gives us complete joy. The third theme I want us to see in this text is the word hope. You see, I believe we have an incredible hope. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Micah talked about uh, how do we find hope in the midst of pain and suffering, that we have a living hope, and his name is Jesus. The second half of verse 13 says this, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. You see, so that at the revelation and the glory of Jesus, you may rejoice with exaltation. See, Peter is pointing back to the beginning of chapter one here, saying, keep your eyes fixed firmly on the one who gives you grace, the one who is yours at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That what you're going through is not the end. There's a greater hope that is coming, and his glory will be revealed. So, friends, church, I want you to know that what you're going through may not be the end. Be encouraged by that. That when Jesus returns and eliminates sin and death and weeping and pain once and for all, that there will be joy. Unexplainable joy. And church, that thought should sustain us and give us hope that that we have a good God that we can trust at his word. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 5, verses 3, 4, and 5. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into the hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, this hope that we have comes from Jesus, and it gives us the endurance, the patience, the the faithfulness to continue to press on in the midst of it. And in that, he gives us comfort. That's the fourth word that I want us to see in this text, comfort. That God provides comfort through our, our pain and persecution. Verse 14 says, If you're reviled or insulted for the name of Jesus, consider yourself blessed. Because the spirit of glory, the spirit of God is resting upon you. See, that's an incredible truth. The same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that encouraged and empowered the disciples to stand up for their faith, is the same spirit of God that we have with us, comforting us. 
You read throughout the New Testament, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. We have the Spirit of God with us. So if you've ever gone through hard times in your life, pain, suffering, persecution, you know that it's, it's easier to go through those things if you have somebody with you. Somebody to help bear the burden with you, to shoulder the load and the pain, to, to have somebody to cry on your shoulder with you. Friends, we have the Holy Spirit with us, His presence with us, that God has not abandoned or forsaken us. And that's an amazing truth that we can rest in this morning. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we are abundantly in comfort too. See, I think of uh, a story in Luke chapter 8. When, when Jesus was with his disciples, and many of you probably remember this story, Jesus sets out on a boat and he was with his disciples and uh, they head out onto the Sea of Galilee. And for the most part in Jerusalem, in Israel, the Sea of Galilee is, is like glass. If you've ever been to Israel, you've ever been to the Holy Land, you, you've been to the Sea of Galilee, but it's surrounded by mountains. And these storms could erupt out of anywhere and, and stir up the waters. And they head out on this boat and Jesus is with his disciples, and Jesus falls asleep, and he's resting. And they're getting tossed to and fro on this boat, and the disciples start freaking out. They take their eyes off of what they were supposed to be doing, and they, they see the, the storm around them. That's all they see. They wake up Jesus, and they, they say, Jesus, Master, do something. Jesus reminds them, like, where is your faith? In the midst of the storm that they were going through, they were looking all around them, but they, they forgot the reality that they were with the Son of God, that Jesus was with them in the boat. And better yet, Jesus was resting while he was on the boat. Jesus wasn't freaking out. He had all control. He had all authority. So when the disciples wake him up, he speaks, and the winds and the waves cease. And he, he displays that he has all authority over the storms of life. See, church, this is a reminder to all of us that, that God has the ability, that Jesus has the ability to sustain us through whatever you're going through. That you can find comfort in that. No matter what you're going through, relationally, physically, Jesus is with you. We have the Spirit of God with us, and he is comforting us in the midst of this situation. But let me ask you, what are you fixated on in the midst of the storm that you are going through? Is it the pain or is it the opportunity? See, there's a lot of times in my own life I've got to ask myself the question. It's, sometimes it's easier to look back at the pain that you've dealt with and see what God was doing. But in the moment, you're like, all right, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here, but I trust you. We can be comforted in the midst of that together. See, the pain that you've experienced and what you've gone through might be exactly what others need in their own journey to be comforted in. I know that's true about my life. The things that I've experienced in my own life, God ends up using down the road to encourage and to comfort others with. And he may exactly be doing that in your own story as well. Author David Paulison answers it this way as a contributor to the book Suffering and the Sovereignty of God. He says, when you've passed through your own fiery trials and found God to be true to what he says, 
you have real comfort to offer others. You have firsthand experience of both sustaining grace and his purposeful design. And he's kept you through the pain. He's reshaped you more into his image. And what you're experiencing from God, you can give away in increasing measure to others. You are learning both the tenderness and the clarity necessary to help sanctify another person's deepest distress. Church, I believe we can have comfort in the midst of our pain and suffering and persecution. The next theme I want us to see is the word purpose. You see, we all hear this oftentimes thrown around, that there is a purpose for the trial that you're going through. Verse 12 says, don't think it's something strange. Verse 19 says uh, that it is God's will that this is happening to you, that you can rest in a faithful creator, that God is using the sufferings and the pain that you're dealing with to point to his plan for his glory. I think there's a verse in scripture that we, we claim a lot of times um, in Romans 8, 28. It says, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Right? I think sometimes we can, we can flippantly name that in and, 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 and hopes that all things are just going to be good for us. But what we forget to realize is that, that God is using all things that happen in our own life through the pain, the suffering that you're going through to point to a greater good and to a sovereign creator. You see, God has an eternal plan for our sanctification and he's working that out in our day to day. And we can trust him because he's a good God. God in his sovereignty allows everything happen in and around our lives because he's trying to teach us something through that. Uh, but a lot of times we focus on ourselves in the midst of the pain or persecution. You see, uh, a, a good reminder for me is, is it, I, I try to remember to say this, that it's not happening to me, but it's happening for me. That God's allowing these things to happen in my life for my growth and for his greater good. So church, don't lose sight of suffering and persecution, that it ultimately has a purpose for you, that God's using it to strengthen your hope in Jesus, to encourage you to press on, to boldly proclaim, uh, to, to, to stand in the gap, uh, to comfort those that need comforted as well. So we, we, need, we need to remember that in our trials, God is both sovereign and faithful, that he controls the circumstances of our life and that we can trust him. The next theme I want us to see in this text is the word clarity. Expectation, joy, hope, comfort, purpose, clarity. And uh, I believe throughout time in history, there have been many people that have asked God the question, like, why me and why now? And I think no matter what you've gone through in your own life, your own uh, pain or your own suffering, those questions have probably been true for you as well. You see, we ask those questions, but ultimately uh, the the, the pain that we experience or the suffering that we experience are an opportunity for us to see our need for God, to understand how broken our world is, to know that he loves us. And sometimes in the midst of the, the thing that we're dealing with, we don't see it in that moment. You see in verse 15, it says, make sure that you're, you're all suffer, uh, that if you're suffering, you're going through it. You're not suffering as a murderer or a meddler. Peter's saying, don't suffer for these things. You see, there is this reality that we suffer because of our own rebellion to God. We are all sinners. The Bible talks about that. There is none righteous. We also suffer because, because we are all sinners that others sin against us and that we are sometimes the recipient of that pain and suffering as well. But ultimately, we live in a fallen and broken world. 
And this is the byproduct of a world that we live in. And we should not be surprised by that. So the encouragement, church, for us is to be, uh, to press into Jesus, to draw near to him, stay close and tethered to Jesus and his word so that we don't get entangled by our own consequences of our own choices. He goes on to say in verse 16, if anyone is suffering as a Christian, there is no shame, but glorify God in the midst of that. You see, this word Christian actually is not a word that is used a lot throughout Scripture. It's used only three times. And um, the, the word Christian was actually first used at the church of Antioch. And um, it was used as an insult. And later on, if you read in Acts chapter 26, you, you see uh, the king there, King Agrippa, who's, who's addressing this with the Apostle Paul, says, you know what, you're going to convince me to even be a Christian like, it, it was used as an insult. So understanding the word Christian uh, from Peter's perspective as an insult gives you a better understanding. If you're suffering as a Christian, um, you're carrying on the name of Christ, and there's no shame in that, but it brings glory to Jesus. Lastly, I want us to see this morning the word confidence. The word confidence. I love what it says in verse 19. It says, you can entrust your soul to a faithful creator, we can rest in the fact that what you're going through is a part of God's plan and part of God's will. You see, the Apostle Paul um, in Philippians chapter 1, which is probably happening at the very similar time to when Peter was writing this letter uh, to, to these churches in Asia Minor, he says this. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it's become known that throughout the whole imperial guard to the rest of the imprisonment that it's for Christ. And the most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. And much more bold to speak without fear. Paul's saying that the things that are happening to me are actually happening to further the gospel. And it, he's speaking on behalf of saying, like, you can have confidence in this. That when you are going through tough times, you can rest in Jesus. That it's a part of his plan. See, Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 18. He says, so that we do not lose heart, though our outer man or outer person is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. See, this is all about perspective. The Apostle Paul is saying these light and momentary afflictions, light and momentary afflictions to the Apostle Paul, like he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was put in prison, um, all of these things. It's a matter of perspective. And he's saying this with confidence that, that if you look at your situation rightly and you look at God rightly, that you can have a better understanding of what, what God is trying to do in and through your story. See, these verses can sound or feel like uh, sandpaper on our modern understanding about suffering because we in, in the American church, like I said, we live in insulated, uh, we lived in an insulated environment where we don't have to face all the persecution and suffering that our brothers and sisters across the world are. But church, let me ask you this morning, if everything else goes away, if the pain and the suffering that you're dealing with never ends, is Jesus still enough? You see, I think when we start to put things into perspective and ask ourselves those questions, like where's our satisfaction? Where, where's our focus? How we respond to that speaks volumes to a lost and dying world around us. You see, there are, there are over 200 million martyrs um, for the faith throughout time and history. They've faced brutal opposition and persecution because of their beliefs. 
For many of us, that's not something that we'll ever face. But maybe this morning, God's asking you in this passage to to have some understanding, to have some empathy, to be encouraged that we have a freedom in Christ to identify with those that have gone before us, to have the right perspective. See, some of you walking through pain and suffering have some challenges. Uh, Hopefully this text is encouraging to you, that God is with you, that he brings peace. There could be joy in the midst of the pain, that you're not alone, that he's there to comfort you. But for some of you not going through a situation right now, um, maybe it's an opportunity for us to wake up to this reality that, that we all have um, you know, a, a, a skewed perspective, a short-sighted perspective about what pain and suffering looks like in the world for the, for the cost of following Jesus. See, I'm reminded of Jesus' words to his disciples um, at the end of John 16, 33. And it's one of these truths that I always remind myself of in the midst of whatever I'm going through. Jesus says this in John 16, said, I have said these things to you that in me you would have peace. In this world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Church family, this morning we can rest in the fact that we have a good God who's victorious and we can rest in him. No matter what you're facing, we can put our trust and our faith in him to know that he sees us, he's with us, and he understands us. And uh, by identifying with him in our sufferings, we proclaim the good news of Jesus to a lost and dying world. Let me pray for our time together this morning. And as we go into a time of prayer, uh, the band's going to come back up this morning and play a song. And I just I want to I ask you to, to kind of just use this time to pray and sit and reflect on whatever it is that God's laid upon your heart this morning. You see, I think we can all ask ourselves the question like, God, what are you saying to me and what do you want me to do about it? This morning, no matter what you're going through, I believe that that Jesus is calling us to something, to maybe pray for somebody, to encourage somebody, to, to maybe stand firm, to dig our heels in, to say, you know what, God, you're good and I can get through this because you have got through this for me. Whatever it is, church, be encouraged that we have a good God who loves you Let me pray for our time together and we'll close. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Father, for your word, as we've been walking through 1 Peter, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, we get to passages like this. And sometimes they seem so foreign to us. But Jesus, help us to understand how easy we have it here in this country. Father, the persecution that we face, the ridicule that we face, pales into comparison to to what others face around the world. Father, give us a dose of perspective this morning. Give us understanding. Allow us to be encouraging and just have empathy and, and words of prayer to those that are around our world, Father, standing up in the face of adversity for you, for the good news of Jesus. Father, this morning, for anyone walking through, for through pain and and persecution and suffering, Father. Just help us to trust you in the midst of that, to know that you're good, that you love us, and you've not left us alone. Father, allow us to, to reflect appropriately during this time, during this song, as we continue to make much of you. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. 
If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at ncchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.